Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Special Edition is a production of Intercom Communications. Thanks for joining us on Special Edition. I'm Paula Degnan. We're getting ready to turn the calendar page to the month of November. Many things are happening, including Veterans Day. Dennis Curtin, Wise Markets Director of Public Relations, will be joining us during the program today. He'll be talking about the work that Wise Markets does with Disabled Veterans of America and how you, by stopping in their store through the 11th of November, can help out. And of course, also Election Day is right around the corner. Everybody has a take on what's going to happen. So we reached out to a few people to bring you theirs. They will include getting the polls from cookies. Yes, Wishkin's Bakery in Cincinnati. And one of the folks there will be talking with our Jason Barsky. We'll also hear from Scott Seaborg, the Pennsylvania State Director of All Voting is Local. And we're going to start things off with voting trends for the young and the young at heart. We're going to find out the results of some polls that were recently taken. For the Young at Heart, Bill Johnston Walsh, Pennsylvania Director AARP, will give us the results. And from those who may be their first time casting a ballot, the ages 18 to 24, Judith Brown Dianis. She's the Executive Director Advancement Project, and she's going to talk about the office's Young Voters of Color Advisory Committee and what they learned in their polling. Advancement Project is a national racial justice organization that works with grassroots groups across the country, uh, building power in their communities. We uh, are experts in voting rights and have been working across the country to ensure that we have an inclusive democracy. You mentioned the fact that you are looking at young voters. What age of young Mm -hmm. voters are you looking at? Advancement Project has been doing public opinion research around 18 to 24-year-old voters of color, many of whom are first-time voters. I was going to say they're just really starting out, so you must get a different kind of perspective. What have you learned so far? Well, what we've learned about young voters of color, 18 to 24, is that they are uh, concerned about covid They are concerned about racism. They are concerned about uh, police brutality in particular. They also feel like they're not part of the process, that they don't have a lot of power, uh, and they worry about whether or not their vote is going to count. Although most of the people that we polled said that they do intend to participate, and to vote with hopes that it will make a difference. Since a lot of them, it may be their first time voting, what impressions have you gotten as far as, you know, many of us have taken this for granted for so many years. This is their first time out. Do they find it exciting? Do they find it necessary? Most of the uh, young people that we polled think that it is, Uh, important for them to vote. They don't know if it's necessary or not. They're also concerned about the way that we're voting and worried about whether or not they're going to do it right. 
especially because we have a different way of voting this year because of the pandemic. And many of them have been involved in some of the racial justice movement that has been building across the country, even at the kind of low level of just signing a petition. So they're actively engaged in our democracy. They just want to make sure that when they actually do vote, that it will make uh, a difference, that first of all, it will be counted. And second (laughs) of all, that it will make a difference in seeing the change that they want to see in this country. Do you think that that will be a determining factor, whether they vote again, or have you been getting more of an indication that first time out, let's see what happens, and maybe I will continue to stay as involved because these issues are important to me? Well, I think most of them are um, are ready to see what happens. First of all, they're, they're not as concerned about the presidential election, like the top of the ticket. They're not as excited about either candidate, but they do know that there are other local elections, which are the things that are connected to their daily lives. And so I think many of them seem to be in a wait and see. We're going to vote. We're going to see if it, if it works. But they also know that beyond election day, that they have to continue to be involved. And so I look at them kind of as like the the protest generation, right? (laughs) They are the young people who not only kind of might have started off as a a little kid going to protest around Trayvon Martin um, or uh, Ferguson, but they also are the young people who took to the streets around March for Our Lives. They're also the young people who are involved in the climate justice movement. And so they are used to being actively engaged. And now they're going to try out whether or not voting is another way to see change in, in our country. And so I think, you know, young people have always been actively involved. I mean, even if you look at the civil rights movement, many of the people who were in the streets who were protesting were young people. And so this generation is no different. Um, I think they think that voting should be easier <laughs> than it is, but they are actively engaged. I mean, their turnout in, in prior years for younger people has been pretty high. And so I think we're going to see them turn out uh, to the polls in, in high numbers this year. Did any of them have the opportunity to give you an indication that some of history that you mentioned, including the civil rights movement, did that play a part in getting them interested now? For some of them, uh, most of them are not motivated by kind of what happened in the past. They're kind of like the here and now generation. <laughs> and so, you know, look, the, the history lessons are for them are okay, but they really see that they want to make a change and they understand the history, but it's not what is motivating them. What is motivating them is that they are tired of the way things are. Um, They are also a very multiracial generation. So when we did this public opinion research, we uh, did look at Black, Latinx, and uh, Asian young people, 18 to 24. And it was interesting because literally all across those communities, they are concerned about COVID they, and, and the, the number of people who have died. They are concerned about racism. 
and racial discrimination, whether it's in employment or with regard to policing. So I think that um, history is is nice for them, (laughs) but what they really um, care about is what change they as a generation can make. And I'm and I'm a mom of a as an eighteen year old, and you know I sit around and tell her about all the history and she knows it. But um, but what she really wants to do is see the change that she can make now, uh, and she recognizes that it's a different time from the nineteen sixties. Uh, so for her, what's important is okay, what can my generation do? And a lot of them may be involved in college, college campuses. Um, Have you Mm -hmm. seen, and since you have one that's very close to you, obviously, have you seen chatter and heard chatter amongst that group about this? Or is it just more or less, okay, we're going to do this and here's what I've looked up online. Do they talk about it amongst themselves? well, they do, um, and and I think what what's great is I mean, first of all, on the college campuses, of course, a little different this year because of the pandemic. So many students are not on college, and I think that 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 may impact some of the numbers of young voters because they're not kind of on a campus where they can be politically activated. But those who are uh, are turning out. So I've seen at certain colleges what they've done is a march to the polls of all of the students and they've brought out the band and they've made it a whole celebration and I think that's the other thing is that young people want to see um, that voting is fun right that it does something for you in the end that you're going to tap into your own power and I think for this generation for 18 to 24 year olds it's important for them to feel like we actually have power. It's not just our parents who have power, but we have parent power too. And so there is a lot of conversation. There's um, a lot of turnout on college campuses that are in session. Uh, Students are uh, registering other students. I know in my daughter's own school, they have uh, on her, she's on the basketball team, the women's basketball team. And the coach has said, I want to see 100% 100% voter registration and voting on our team. Wow. And so they've made it into a, into a team affair so that everyone can participate. And all of the teams at her school are doing that. And so, so I think the schools are also helping uh, to push students to understand that they should be civically engaged at a very early age. Well, I hope that you'll be able to follow up with some of them and come back and let us know what they thought. Sure. And we'll see, we'll see the numbers after and see if they, if my prediction is right, that they will turn out in record numbers. Thanks again to Judith Brown Dianis, the Executive Director Advancement Project, for giving us a preview of the younger voters. Now, the other side, Bill Johnston Walsh. He's the Pennsylvania Director AARP, and he tells us what the voting trends in their poll showed on the other side of 50. Bill, we're getting closer to election. And things are starting to heat up. Now, I know AARP, we've talked before, you're involved, you're getting out in the community, you're talking to people. What are you hearing? Well, what we're hearing is that um, our, the older Pennsylvanians, the 65 plus, the 50 plus, um, are, are very interested in this race. We just did a, a second poll. We had one out in September and we just received one last week, the end of last week. Uh, that that has um, Vice President Biden up by three points, uh, 50 to 47. 
But the interesting part about this, Paula, is that the 50 to 64-year-old in, in the poll had Trump up 52 to 46. However, the uh, 65 and older voters support Biden 57 to 40. And that's a 17-point gap. Uh, and it's, uh, it's really interesting to see the dichotomy between the two. When we talk about uh, polls and, of course, you know, things can change. And by the time our conversation airs, things could have changed again and again. But there always seems to be, especially in the age of the voters that you're talking about, certain trigger points. And one of those, again, which I'm starting to hear is more and more about Social Security. What have you been hearing on that from your end? That's exactly right. So I would say the 50 to 64 year olds, their, their issues are the economy, making sure that uh, people have jobs, um, because they're, they're, they're right there. They're getting close to retirement. They're not there yet. They just want to make sure that they make it to retirement and they make it in that type of way. The other piece that they're talking about is COVID, but COVID in the sense of keeping things open, not so much worried about getting the virus themselves. But, you know, uh, more worried about making sure the economy is still chugging along. Now, the, the 65 plus, you're right. The three key issue areas are Social Security, health care, really focused on Medicare, and the coronavirus. Um, and then the coronavirus is really them getting it. Uh, we asked this exact question about the coronavirus um, in September, and 55% of them said that they were worried about uh getting the coronavirus or someone in their family getting it, that went up to over 60% um, in this latest uh, poll um, that they're worried about that. And then the other, the other issues of Social Security and, and Medicare is basically that this is their lifeline right now. A lot of them um, are living off of a small pension and their Social Security checks coming in. And a lot are also, you know, with, with as we age, as we know, we have more and more health issues and, and, and Medicare is a lifeline for them. And they want to make sure that that stays. Um, and that's the reason why I, I think that they're following these issues very closely. Um, and it's, it's just, it's key for them. We talk about the this poll. Can you give us a little bit of a background where and when it was conducted? Sure. It was, it was very recent. It was, it was only conducted two weeks ago. Um, it was statewide. Um, we had a good breakdown of uh, Republicans, Democrats, and Independents. Um, it was just 50 plus. Uh, we, we didn't, we didn't uh, interview anyone younger than 50 because we really wanted to make sure that we knew what this age group was really thinking during this election cycle. Um, so it, it was, it was good. Uh, we obviously the first question was who would you be supporting for president? But then we also got into questions about, about the coronavirus, about COVID-19, and then also about key issue areas, whether they be um, Rx, drug-related, Social Security, or healthcare. When you talk about the poll in Pennsylvania, how did it compare to which I'm assuming there were ones done in other states that were similar? Yeah, um, uh, there, there were, especially in the battleground states. Uh, you know, Wisconsin, Florida, um, uh, Michigan, and we kind of saw the same trend. Um, I would say that the 50 to 64 year olds. Uh, tended towards Trump more in Pennsylvania than they did in those other states. Uh, but the but the numbers with regard to the 65 and older uh, cohort 
basically went um, to Biden by a, by a large number. Um, and it's interesting, too, because, you know, these battleground states, you know, it's turning out, as, as we can see going into the last two weeks of, of this election cycle, that Pennsylvania is going to be the keystone state that's going to make a difference um, who is elected president of the United States. What have you also been hearing, um, and I don't know whether it was in the poll or not, maybe you can clear that up, but what about the whole idea of, and a lot of seniors of the, the age group 65 and older have long probably done an absentee ballot for whatever reason. Some of them, again, from the Northeast, travel to the South during the winter time, so they might not even be here for a November election. What have you been hearing, if anything, about the whole idea of seniors and the mail-in ballots and uh, all of these other changes that have been coming along? Have you been getting more yays or nays? It's been very interesting. So uh, just a background, it, it, in Pennsylvania, the 50 plus um, represent over 60% of all voters. So back in 2018, it was over 60% of the, of the uh, individuals age 50 and older that voted. In 2016, it was 55.6%. So there's definitely a trend. What we, what we see is that um, older Pennsylvanians, yes, they follow the issues. The issues are important to them. But they see this as a civic duty. You know, the bottom line is that it's their right to vote, and they're going to take that right as an American. Um, so we're we're very proud of, of our older voters in, in Pennsylvania. The other thing um, is that we have been seeing one of the one of the key pieces that came out of this particular poll is that we saw that almost half of the people that were surveyed uh, said that they're going to go to the poll on election day. Um, they know that uh, you know that that they. They should possibly do a mail-in ballot, but they want to make sure that their vote counts and they want to do it on election day. Um, about 15 to 20 percent um, of older Pennsylvanians, 50 plus, have already voted by mail-in ballot. Uh, but from what we saw in this poll, a majority, and what we're hearing from our 1.8 million members around the Commonwealth as well, is that they're looking to go to the polls and, and, uh, and vote safely um, on, on November 3rd. That's very interesting. Well, I hope that uh, Bill will have you back, even if you want closer to the election, but definitely afterwards, so that we can find out what the uh, what what the take was on on everything. And from your aspect, from being the state director for AARP here in Pennsylvania, what last words? Since we may not get to talk to you before election day, what last words would you like to leave with the Northeast Pennsylvania listeners? Well, I, I want to thank you, Paula, for having me on. The, the two things that I'd like to leave uh, your listeners with is one, it is safe to vote. You know, um, it is, you know that, that if you do a mail-in ballot, it will get there. We've been working very close with the Department of State on this. And it's also safe to uh, go in person as well. You know, if you feel that you want to go in person, uh, the Department of State will be cleaning the, uh, the machines between every use. They will be uh, making sure that uh, that people keep social distance while while online, and they will all, they're also asking that everyone wear the mask to protect the poll workers and themselves. The other piece is that there's still a lot of little bit of confusion, you know, with everything that's been going on with the court cases and, and what's allowed and what's not allowed. Um, so at AARP, we basically have done um, uh, a website. It's aarp.org/pa. That's aarp.org/pa. We can go and get up to the minute 
uh, voting information, and then and then also some some uh, new, uh, information on Social Security, uh, prescription drugs, Medicare, and key issues that are important to older Pennsylvanians. Bill Johnston Walsh, Pennsylvania Director, AARP. Now don't go away. When Special Edition returns, we're going to hear from Scott Seaborg, Pennsylvania State Director of All Voting is Local, and which way will the cookie crumble? We'll find out. Bushkin's Bakery from Cincinnati says they know how to pick the winner of presidential elections. Next on Special Edition. Welcome back to Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. And coming up on Tuesday, it is indeed Election Day. Many eyes on many races. And it also includes something different, the way that people are voting this year. Scott Seaborg is the Pennsylvania State Director of All Voting is Local. And he takes a look at what's happening here across the Commonwealth. Scott, we have an election that's getting so close. There's so much going on. Can you help us sort it all out? What's this? What are these new rules that are being put in place? Absolutely. Um, there's a lot going on. We're in unprecedented times, and I'm here to share one important thing about voting by mail, which is don't vote with a naked ballot. And what is a naked ballot? So when you get your vote by mail uh, ballot, it comes with the ballot itself, a secrecy envelope, and a mailing envelope. And Pennsylvania wants all vote by mail ballots to be as secure as possible. And that's why it's important to vote your ballot, put it in the secrecy envelope, pack that on in the mail envelope, sign and date it, and then get that to your county election office. And this was a change that happened from the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. So where do these secrecy envelopes come from? Where do we get them? So they will arrive with your ballot. And I think the the idea is that Uh, Pennsylvania uh, county and election officials really want to make sure your vote is between, you know, you and your ballot. And so that secrecy envelope ensures that uh, once the secrecy envelope is removed from that mailing envelope, that your ballot then is anonymous and your vote is cast uh, in the manner in which you choose. Don't just start throwing things away when you get your ballot and cast your ballot is basically what you're trying to tell us. Exactly. (laughs) That's exactly right. When when we talk about this, Scott, again, a lot of people are still with all of the publicity on it and all of the discussion. So many people are are still very concerned about voting by mail. So do you have any insight into, let's say, somebody gets a ballot and then in the mail and then they decide, "Mm, I really think maybe I'm okay and I I am going to go in person. What would they do at that point? Now, that's a great question. And voting by mail is so new in Pennsylvania, it's understandable that folks have concerns. Uh, we do know that voting by mail is a secure way to vote, but we also know that voting in person is really important to a lot of people for many, many reasons. And so if you're in a position where you've received your vote by mail ballot and you would like to go ahead and vote in person uh, in your county, what you would do is take your unvoted ballot, the entire thing, all the papers, all the envelopes with you to the polling place. And what's gonna happen is you give that ballot over and it will be what's considered spoiled. And at that point, you will be able to vote regularly uh, in the manner in which your county uh, has you voting. So uh, sometimes that's a machine, sometimes that's you know a, a touch screen and uh, 
you want to make sure that, that the judge of election doesn't ask you to vote provisionally. You are able to vote regularly if you bring your unvoted mail ballot to the in-person polling. And that's important. You have to bring that with you. Absolutely. Okay. When um, a lot of people, again, are concerned about the whole voting by mail process and you know, again, a lot of this is still, well, it's all still new because people voted by absentee ballot for years. So what's the difference between the voting absentee ballot and now people wanting to vote by mail that's causing such disruption? That is such a great question. And I think that gets to the core of our the, the narrative and dialogue right now as a country. Um, absentee voting and voting by mail are literally the same thing. And when we have politicians and different elected officials out here trying to cast aspersions on one but not the other, it's really confusing to me because they're all voting by mail. It's the same process that we've used in Pennsylvania for decades and decades. The difference is that folks uh, have the option to do that now. And importantly, in the pandemic, you know, I myself am a person with a compromised immune system. I've got an autoimmune condition I have to take medication for. And there's just no way I feel safe going to a polling place in person. So I'm going to have to vote by mail. And it's a really important option for folks. And so, you know, concerns, absolutely. We have to do everything in our power to secure our elections and make sure that they have the utmost integrity. And so I appreciate that folks are concerned that they're keep in watch that they're really considering this heavily. And, and also uh, the, the absentee ballots and the vote by mail ballots are literally the same thing. Scott, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and hopefully we will talk to you after the election. I'd love to uh, have your take on everything that happens, not politically, but how the process works. Absolutely. Um, and can, can you let us know how we can find all voting is local online? Absolutely. You can go to allvotingislocal.org, and uh, we've got lots of great information there. Thank you so much for having me this morning. I'm grateful for your time. Thanks again to Scott Seaborg. All voting is local. All voting is not done traditionally, as many of us are finding out in the last election and definitely in this election. But how about some of the folks in Cincinnati who say they can decide the election by selling cookies? That's right. Cincinnati's Buskin Bakery says they pick the winner of presidential elections by the number of cookies they sell. Intercom's Jason Barsky caught up with Brian Buskin, one of the multi-generational Ohio bakery owners, and here's the story. We would all like to fast forward through, which I think at least I wish we could fast forward through to November 4th to find out who wins the election. And I think I have an answer for you because I'm going to introduce you to a guy. I want to welcome to the show. Uh, this is uh, Brian Buskin. Uh, Brian, good morning. Morning. How are you? Doing great. Uh, thank you for joining me. No problem. Happy to be here. Thanks, um, Brian. You are, are you the owner now? Are you the current owner of the bakery, uh, Buskin Bakery, out in Cincinnati? Yeah, my brother and I are fourth generation owners. We've been in business since 1928, and uh, we're a family owned and operated bakery here in Cincinnati, Ohio. And you, you guys have made national news recently, and I thank you for coming on. You guys have successfully predicted the presidential election winners, was it nine of the <laughs> last nine? nine? This, will, this will be our 10th. If we get it right this, this, year, this uh, election, it'll be our 10th uh, election. So we've been doing this since 
1984, uh, we've been making political cookies. Uh, the first election we did was uh, Reagan, Reagan against Mondale, actually. Wow. Um, and, uh, I mean, I, let's be fair. That first one seems like a wash. Who's going to eat Walter Mondale? True, true. And so true. That's how I look yeah. at things. I, even as a oh, child, yeah. as a child, I thought to myself, <laughs> this guy doesn't look that flavorful, but, you know, Reagan was full of life for an older Very gentleman. Very true. Very true. <laughs> Thank you for playing along. <laughs> I, I saw this story, and this is the type of thing I like, because as, as you probably have noticed, um, things are a little tense in this country. People are very divided, and, uh, you yeah. know, um, I think we need more of these stories where we see people trying to do something different. Now, you didn't invent this. Uh, who, who in your family came up with the idea of a cookie poll? So this was just a silly idea that my dad had uh, back in 1984, just a silly straw poll. He decided to make uh, some political cookies, and he did the Reagan and Mondale. And it was unbelievable not only how how accurate, um, you know, we think Ohio's kind of a bellwether state anyway. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Ever since then, this has become a tradition for our bakery. Every election season, we make these cookies, and um, it's it's really wild how how accurate this thing has been, uh, you know, over the last nearly forty years. So, have the results uh, been changed since you guys went online and started, you know, shipping these cookies so people could order them from outside of the local area? Because before, I'm guessing well, locally, it was just a like it was a thing for people in Ohio. Now, people around the country are ordering these. They are, and uh, we encourage people to stuff the ballot box frequently, <laughs> meaning their mouths. Okay. Um, but, you know, we've got a Trump cookie. We we advertise his cookies being very rich and a little bit flaky. Okay. Uh, we've got a Joe Biden cookie, which is, we encourage our decorators here to add uh, liberal icing to that cookie. It's made uh, with liberal very nice. icing. Very nice. And then this year we did a third-party candidate, which is a yellow ice smile face cookie, which is kind of what we're synonymous for here in Cincinnati. And that cookie is probably the crummiest candidate yet. Uh, I, I got to give you credit for the nice puns. I enjoy those. Just in, like a guilty pleasure. Um, the uh, I was waiting for the Biden cookie. You know, we store they've been stored in the basement and they won't come out till they're ready. <laughs> they've been they've been aged well in the basement. Yes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, and if you want to see these cookies, the, the website is uh, it's buskin b u s k e n dot com, and you, people can order cookies. And that, that's how that's how it works out for it works out well for you guys because people vote and they drop some money. And that's good for business. Yeah, it is good for business. Um, it, it definitely helps drive drive some interest and excitement in our bakery here in Cincinnati during election seasons. And Halloween's also a big kind of busy bakery month too. So things are right. things are pretty crazy right now. Let's uh, get to this now. It, the, the, your cookie poll doesn't close until election day is over, correct? Yeah, correct. So when the polls close, uh, the cookie poll closes. And right now, do you want to read off the the results? So the grand total right now, um, Donald Trump has 11,622 cookie votes. Uh, Joe Biden has 8,999. So let's just round up to 4,000. And the cookie party, which is kind of surprising me this year, because it usually starts to fall behind by this time, but it's still hanging in there with 6,720 cookie votes. Now, you're somebody who you, you like talk radio, you, you follow politics. 
by adding in this third party cookie, I can't believe I'm having this as a serious conversation now. <laughs> do, do you, how much do you think that's going to affect the results of this? Because that's what a lot of people are dealing with right now. They're like, I don't want to buy the Trump cookie. I don't want to buy the Biden cookie. I'll eat that one. But yeah. who is that? The, uh, the, the undecided, uh, disenchanted uh, option there. And uh, I, I, it, it indicates to me that just what it says, which is that I think we've got a lot of undecided folks out there still that have not yet made up their mind and are not willing to commit yet to 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 a particular candidate. Yeah, before I had you on, I, I didn't I didn't understand why that smiley face was there, but now seeing this breakdown, I'm like, wow. So we're talking about even if we split them, Trump would still win. And because I've been saying, you know, the, the debates are kind of irrelevant; everyone's made up their mind. I sure. this tells me, and it, and this you've said this is accurate as as silly as it may seem. It's big, you, again, you haven't gotten the election wrong in nine elections. Correct. So our track record is perfect. Um, but we found and, a way uh, to. We, you found a way here to to leave the undecided voter still voting. That's true. That's true. I don't know um, what that says. I don't either. Um, we we actually did do the uh, third party um, last election in 2016, and it kind of tailed off. But keep in mind, we sold 40,000, at least 40,000 cookies in the 2016 election, and uh, Donald Trump only won by I think it was 1,500 votes, approximately. Hmm. Man, that's it was it. A, it was it was a close race. It was a tight race, and, and as it was across uh, the country, it was. Yeah, so it really did reflect the national results. You know how much money they put into these national polls and people calling and doing all this, and, and it seems like your results are far more accurate than all of That's these. What we like to say we're the we're the only poll probably in the world with uh, absolute perfect accuracy, <laughs> perfect track record, and type two diabetes for most of your voters. But that's you know, a side effect of uh, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I sympathize with them. I'm a type two diabetic, so <laughs> I'm on my way myself. <laughs> I'm on my way myself. Uh, Brian Buskin again. If you wanted to order these again, and I haven't checked the text messages. But people tend to be cranky as you've noticed uh, this time of year, especially this year. I don't want anyone going. This is what you're wasting your time with. Absolutely, because we need more people laughing and smiling and just thinking of different things to distract us. That's the, right. I think so. This, and I, is, yeah. this is all in good fun. Um, all in good fun. Uh, we just encourage people to follow their guts on this election. No crumb will be left uncounted here nice. at the bakery. Uh, again, it's uh, buskin.com, B-U-S-K-E-N.com, and uh, you can vote till election day. Is it? Is it each cookie is a vote, or is it one order of cookies for one vote? Uh, so if you order the cookies online, you get a box of eight votes. Eight, so, a box of eight uh, votes. And once again, feel free to stuff the ballot box as uh, much as you want. As long as that ballot box is your belly. We've discussed. Hey, listen, Brian, Thank you for being on the show. I greatly appreciate it. I hope so. Good talking to you, okay? All right, Jason. Thanks again. And may the best cookie win. Thanks to Intercom's Jason Barsky for introducing us to Brian Buskin. Now, don't go away. We're going to shift gears from the election to Veterans Day on Special Edition. Welcome back to Special Edition. Thanks for joining us. Throughout the month of November, there are many different occasions coming up. Of course, Thanksgiving, Election Day, and Veterans Day. 
Dennis Curtin is the Director of Public Relations with Wise Markets. They have already been working with Disabled Veterans of America for several years. This year, they have a way that you can help just by shopping at the store and rounding up. Dennis is here to give us the details. Dennis, let's have you explain a little bit about Wise Markets. Now, we all know in our area who they are, but it seems as though they have a little bit more than just eggs and bread and milk on their minds. They seem to be more community. Is that true? We, We like to think of ourselves as a locally focused, locally connected company. Uh, we got our start in, in, in central Pennsylvania in Sunbury uh, more than 100 years ago. And we've been part of the communities that we serve since then. And, and part of what we like to do, what we believe in, is giving back to those communities, the communities where customers have embraced us and, and go to our stores. That's what being a good neighbor is all about, uh, being part of the community and giving back to the community uh, when, you know, there's a need. And it also is very evident around certain times of the year, of course, when there are different food drives that I know that you folks have an opportunity to spearhead in the community. This one that you're going to tell us about today now, how did all this become, how did all this come about? Does this have anything to do with the fact that some of these folks may be part of the Wise family? We started working with Paralyzed Veterans of America four years ago. And while we have always uh, supported veterans causes. Uh, this was a little more formalized for us. And the reason is we saw a need. This is an organization that, uh, helps America's paralyzed veterans, men and women. Uh, today there are more than 40,000 veterans, uh, with some form of spinal injury. Uh, what they do is they provide healthcare advocacy, uh, benefit support, uh, employment support, sports and recreation programs, and also sort of architecture pro- programs, you know, residents designed to, to help people negotiate uh, uh, their homes when their mobility is impacted. Uh, we thought this was a really good cause. Uh, our late chairman, Robert Wise, uh, right out of college, went into the U.S. Army Air Force in 1941 and returned to to Wise Markets in 1946. Uh, he was always proud of his service to his country. Uh, in, in the past, you know, with 9-11, we had a, a military leave program where we also pay, paid any associate who went into the National Guard their salary. So, I mean, this is something that we've always uh, cared about that has always been a focus for us. So now exactly what are you going to be doing with the Paralyzed Veterans of America's mission? With the Paralyzed Veterans of America, and we started earlier this month, and it will run through Veterans Day, which is November 11th. Whenever a customer goes into a Wise Market store, they have a chance to make a donation. Uh, we, we sell vouchers $1, $3, $5, and $10. Uh, they can also round up their purchase at self-checkout. And we think this is a great way to raise money for Paralyzed Veterans of America, or PVA as we call them for short. 
And we know this because we've done it for four years. We've raised more than $500,000, and we expect to have a really big year this year. Um, as we know, these are challenging times, and it, it, it's challenging for everybody, you know, including you know, veterans organizations. So you know, when times are tough, you want to be in their corner. And is this how you've done the uh, helping with them in the past, again, at the checkout at the register? Yes, the the new um, the new uh, feature this year is that now uh, customers can round up uh, at self checkout, and we've seen a lot of generosity through that route. Uh, it, it it's not as big a donation, but the, the numbers are pretty big. But also, they're they're giving at at, at the cashier, to, you know, at, at fully manned cashier lanes as well. Uh, our customers have been supportive of, of many causes over the years. We just came off a, a program called Fight Hunger to support food banks and raised a record amount of money. And also, at Wise Markets, we're not just asking customers for money. We're also donating money on our own uh, to, to support these causes. Because a lot of times when you're asked for money uh, by, say, you know, at a, at a retail out, food retailer, you wonder, does the company have any skin in the game? Are they also making a donation? And in Wise Market's case, the answer is yes. That's a good point, because I think you're absolutely right. And you, a lot of times we do get bombarded with a lot of different places that we go. And as we're leaving, we're asked, do you want to do this? Do you want, and, you know, so it's good that you have the opportunity to come right out and say exactly what you're doing. Do you have any idea so far that you've been doing this, uh, how much you've raised kind of a guesstimate just for us? Uh, I believe we are closing in on $200,000, but that's just a guesstimate. Uh, We have a couple more weeks. We hope to really uh, see things uh, steadily increase. Uh, and, and we believe it will. Uh, and on Veterans Day, uh, we'll announce what we've uh, raised, and we will present that check to the president of uh, Paralyzed Veterans of America. They're a good cause. We've, we've, we've worked with them for some time now. We've met many of their their people, the people who, who work for them, who advocate for them, and they're an oppressive organization. Uh, you know, we have the greatest military in the world, uh, you know, we, we employ many, many veterans uh, and have employed in the past as well, uh, honoring their service and being there for them after they've been there for us. You know, we, we consider that an important thing to do. And we should also mention to our listeners that this is not just happening at the Wise Markets round in our listening area. This is every Wise Market. Every wise market, you know, we, we operate 195 stores in seven states, uh, soon to be 196 in Dingman's Ferry and Pike County. But um, every store, uh, customers will have the opportunity to make this donation. Uh, and, you know, there are a lot of people out there who they're generous. They say, yeah, that's a good cause. I'd like to donate. And, and, and we are truly grateful for that. 
I think that's wonderful. Also, when you were mentioning about the checkout, are you still doing, because that was one of the things that came along in the uh, whole beginning of the pandemic, was grocery stores were uh, doing things more things online, people coming, picking up their, are you, are you able to incorporate that into that aspect as well? Uh, yes, they have the option to make a donation when they are ordering their uh, uh, groceries online, their food online through our Wise to Go uh, online uh, shopping. Uh, as you might expect, since the pandemic, we've seen a tremendous demand for the service. Uh, it's a good service. Uh, you know, you have uh, up to you know four-hour turnaround, which is really good in in, in in our business. So, and we have a lot of people who really appreciate it. Absolutely. Sometimes it takes me more than four hours. So I give them a lot of credit when they're able to do that. (laughs) Dennis, this is great. This, do you have any idea what the, the, uh, the paralyzed veterans have done with any of the other uh, monies that you have been able to give them over the years? This uh, helps build up their resources and their programs to reach out and to help uh, veterans uh, who have spinal injuries. And for that matter, if any veteran calls them and, and looks for assistance, they don't turn them away. And then they help thousands of veterans uh, every year. Uh, their big thing is, is that uh, they're, they're based in the Arlington, uh, Virginia area. And their big thing is, is that when they get called uh, and there's an issue for a veteran, they assign a caseworker to help that veteran and to see it through. It's a very effective and efficient system. Uh, They use the money that we raise very wisely. No pun intended. Very good. And along those lines, would we be able to see any of that money here throughout Northeastern Pennsylvania from from our local wise market donations as well? The the way we say it is, is that if there is a veteran, a veteran with a, with spinal cord injuries or issues in Northeast PA, and if they call PVA, the Paralyzed Veterans of America, and ask for assistance, they will be helped. Uh, I, I don't have you know the numbers of you know calls and, and people that they they help, other than it, it's thousands of veterans every year all across the country, including in Northeast Pennsylvania and Central Pennsylvania. Yeah. And uh, I would think that uh, if there maybe if there are any local who are hearing, maybe the, hearing this, maybe they could give you a call and say, hey, I was one of those people you were talking about who was helped. Yeah, by- that would be great. Yeah. And, if, and also uh, Paralyzed Veterans of America. I do not have their website uh, address, but if you Google it, you can find it very quickly. Uh, they're a good, resourceful uh organization that has stood the test of time. They have been in operation since 1946. And when did Weiss begin? 1912. Oh, you're a little bit older. Yeah. <laughs> but you weren't there for the grand opening. No, I wasn't. I, I you know, my grandfather could have been, but. <laughs> but you weren't. <laughs> So, Dennis, once again, give us the details. How can people help out the Weiss Markets locations throughout, of course, in our area, Northeast Pennsylvania? And uh, when exactly is all this going to be wrapping up so that they can get out there? 
Now through November 11th, which is uh, Veterans Day, customers have the opportunity to come into Wise Market Store when they are shopping for their groceries. And as they're checking out, they have a chance to make a, a small donation to the paralyzed veterans of America. Uh, we make it easy. We have they can purchase vouchers of one, three, five, and ten dollars. Uh, all of the money that we raise will go to the paralyzed veterans of, of America. Uh, customers who use self checkout can also round up their purchase uh, and donate to the paralyzed veterans of America. And also, as a company, we will also make our own corporate donation because you know we think it'd be important to. If our customers are, are, are making a donation, we think we should too. Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories, a production of Intercom Communications.